Aloha, folks. You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 125. This episode is sponsored by Tandawai Rum, the world's largest rum producer and winner of over 170 international medals in the past four decades. Check out their webpage at tandawaiusa.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at tandawaiusa. This podcast is also sponsored by the Tonga Hut. Opened in 1958, the Tonga Hut in North Hollywood is LA's oldest continuously run tiki bar. With locations in both North Hollywood and Palm Springs, California, the Tonga Hut serves classic tiki cocktails in a classic tiki setting. Dine in a secret tiki hideaway or learn about rum and rum history at one of their educational seminars. And if you're up to the challenge, take the journey to join the loyal order of drooling bastards. For information on events, rum rum club, and more, go to tongahut.com or find them on Facebook or Instagram. On this episode, we chat with the crew behind the upcoming docuseries, A Rum Story. Recently, I was privileged with a part in A Rum Story, a docuseries that follows the adventures of Ed Gamester, Master of the Guild, as he travels around the world in a quest for knowledge about the origins, history, and progression of rum. Join us as we chat with the crew behind this project, Kevin Marcus, the producer, Keith Lancaster, the director, and of course, Ed Gamester, the host of the series. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. And if you did, hit that subscribe button. Subscribing makes it easier for you to follow our adventures. Shares on your social media pages are always appreciated. And if you'd like to help support the show, go to DesertOasisRoom.com to pick up some merch or make a donation. This podcast does not survive without the help of its sponsors or its listeners. So every purchase or donation, no matter the size, is totally appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. Alrighty then, here's the crew from A Rum Story. Kevin Marcus, Keith Lancaster, and Ed Gamester. I love it. Yeah. I love it. My favorite T-shirt. Busted out for the occasion. Inside the Desert Oasis Room drinking team. Of course. Yep. Newest member. Currently it's drinking a, It's taking all of my willpower to not <laughs> scream this into the microphone right now, but that's all right. I, so it sounds like we're on the same team. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And we do have quite a team, you have to admit. Well, so for our listeners, yeah. I am with... I think that we should just go around the table and say who's here and say everybody say hello. We have Kevin Marcus. Oh, hey. And then we have Keith Lancaster. Hello there. And we have Ed Gamester. Hello there. Aloha. 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 His is actually sounded the coolest. But. Is there a greeting for the guild? Um, it has to be organic. You just bellow whatever comes at you. Okay. It has to come okay. from the diaphragm. It's normally along the lines of, Oh! <laughs> 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 it's grumble. It's pretty much how it goes, because normally we're surprised to see each other in any oh. g- given situation. <laughs> Combination of disgust and outrage. Oh. Yeah, anyway, I'm excited. People are surprising human beings. So I'm when you excited to be with somebody from that represents the guild. Yeah, absolutely. You can feel the energy, right? Humming. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the coffee. So much. And of course, we're here. This is the day after the secret VIP premiere party for a rum story. 
How many years in the making? Well, only two years. Just a couple Not years. Not too bad. Right, just a couple years. I'm honored to have a little part in this, that a little bit piece that... You know, it's always embarrassing that when I see myself on film, I think, oh, God, like my skin looks terrible. I could lose a couple pounds. <laughs> Why do I make that funny face whenever I talk? My voice is so annoying. Well, I'm used to my that. voice now because oh, of, of the podcast, yeah, yeah. right? Because I listen to my voice every day when I right. edit mm-hmm. and I record and all that kind of stuff. And so I got used to that pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever get used to seeing myself on film. I don't think you ever do. Yeah. Not that I've made that much stuff, but I, I despise it. Like, I will really? only watch my stuff back to to learn like what I could do better, like uh, stunt performances or action or whatever. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I find it, I, I find it alarming to see myself. It's, it's funny that that's coming from you, Ed, because you have such a great on-screen persona. Yeah. Yeah, you're very natural. Well, thank you. For that. Um, I think maybe that's why I find it quite alarming because I, I never see that person okay, yeah. until he's on the screen. You're going to see yourself like, different than everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I guess maybe, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah I find it funny across. because like I spend so much time coaching people who are behind camera right. on how to be good on camera and I feel like I can do it when I'm on camera but still just can't handle seeing it. Ever. So let me ask you Keith, how often are you in front of the camera? Um mostly just for interviews and things. I every once in a while will do um like a couple of years ago I went to China for a couple of weeks to do a filmmaking lecture tour. Um, and every one of those, they're all at universities and other, um, like media establishments out there. And I would talk. And then after my, I think it was like an hour and a half long section of the floor that I had. Um, and then it would be like a bit of a media gauntlet where people are saying like, okay, can you say these lines? Can you say this? And like, we're going to do a five minute interview and then give us this tag that we can use Mm -hmm. for like future promotions and stuff like that. So, um, but it's funny because when you need to talk in front of camera too, and you probably get this with things, especially when you were doing a rum story with us, is a lot of the time you're just you're talking and inside your head you're thinking like, what am I even saying right now? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. where am I going to go after this? I can't pause. <laughs> yeah. I can't stop. I need to stop. Yeah. yeah, the water's on and it can't yeah. turn yeah, off. Yeah. And now I just that's yeah. why people end up saying so much nonsense mm-hmm. as soon as you sure. start filming them because yep. there's this like some people can't stop. They're like, oh god, I need to talk. I need to talk. I'm going to keep, keep, keep talking. I've said too much. I'm still mm-hmm. going. Why am I still going? I should stop. I'll try and make a joke. Oh, it wasn't funny. I'll try to clarify. Yeah, make your point and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if there was one piece of direction that I wish, yeah, got given more often, just say the line. All, 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 all the time that we were recording or filming, I should say. I say recording because I'm a podcaster. Uh, but all, all this time that we were filming, I kept thinking to myself, oh, should I do that over? Can we do that over? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, stop. Can we do no, that over? No, we can't. <laughs> no, exactly. You have to live with right? it. have to live with it. We only have so I much film. I made peace with it. I was, I, was, I, was, I was actually pretty happy with the way it turned out it, for, you did for, a, for me. You so did wonderfully. Beautiful thank job. you. Thank you. I thought everybody did wonderfully. Well, Everybody's sitting at the table. So just for our <laughs> listeners that don't know, Ed is the host on the series, but Keith was the director and, and Kevin was the producer. So they're actually more behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but they all had roles in the film. Everybody had screen time. Cameos. Oh, yeah. Little bits here and there, yeah. I, I walked through a, a conversation yesterday where someone grabbed me and they were like, oh, we were just talking about you as the Uber driver. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And all I could say was, who would have that conversation? <laughs> right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A guy who played the, I wonder if he's a real four, Uber driver. Four seconds, 
of the entire thing, yep. maybe. Like two seconds twice. You just did it really it's well. Like, why are you talking about we that? We really believe. If that's what you're talking about, we failed. But you got, oh, no, no. People I, love I think, little details like that. I yeah. mine, mine was actually a lot more selfishly motivated. Ed had an ice cream cone, and he was going to hand it to somebody giving him directions. So I volunteered thinking I would get the ice cream cone and I would be able to eat it. And <laughs> we, it to you, every, every single time we did a take of it, he would take another bite. And it got to a point where he pretty much <laughs> ate the entire cone and the whole reason I wanted to do the cameo was lost. Get the ice cream. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. There's a lovely moment in the in the piece that I had four dollars. I could have just gotten you some. Yeah, we you could have just said something. Was it in the budget though? Was that budgeted into the production? We could have made it work. Okay, we We were over something else. Well, technically, we were over budget. I would say about two months before any of this even started shooting. So Mm. we couldn't possibly have an ice cream budget. No, everything would get blown on ice cream. Yeah, we're gonna blow it all on ice cream. Yeah. So I want to talk about this project because I got nothing but positive comments from people. During the premiere or oh, after the premiere, thank you. it was all great. Everybody was excited about it. People laughed. It was astonishing. People really enjoyed that. Nobody stormed yeah. out. Nobody uh, stormed not out. One. <laughs> not one person was like, ah, "This is nonsense. I'm out of here." <laughs> Let's talk about how this whole thing got started because the three of you at one time were strangers. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about number one: how you three got together, the concept of a rum story, mm-hmm. and. Let's just go from there. How did you guys meet? Well, chronologically, um, I had met Ed in a documentary that I was producer and director of photography for called Rise of the Sufferfests. And it's about um, obstacle course racing and basically like this societal phenomenon where people are spending hundreds of dollars to run themselves through the mud so they can feel connected to their bodies because that's how removed we are from our biology wow. as humans. Um, and Ed, just being like the the savage that he is, um, did a, like the grandfather obstacle run is in the Midlands in England every January. And it's very cold. You're in and out of freezing water over a hundred times. And, um, and Ed is mm-hmm. a part of that event and like he can tell you more about it. But we did an interview with him sitting shirtless in like 34 degree weather and he just sat on a chair and talked to us for 45 minutes without a shiver <laughs> just like it was a sunny day in the park so he was just somebody that you just pulled out of the crowd and said hey no you sit he, down and yeah he has more of a substantial role in the event okay um mm-hmm. and a connection to the guy who gave birth to the whole obstacle phenomenon mm-hmm. um and and he just had a lot of really interesting things to say and his voice mm-hmm. and accent were just something that we felt like we needed i was apart from james Oh, mm-hmm. the, two, the two Jameses, Wallman mm-hmm. and, and Appleton. I think yeah. I was the only English voice yeah. in mm-hmm. Sufferfest. I was also covered in, in face paint. Okay. Uh, oh, so, yeah. I mean, I had a, a particular look for my talking head bit. That okay. And bare chest paint, too, I think. Yeah, I was pretty much covered head to toe. But when you've got, like, well-dressed gentlemen like Tim Ferriss saying very insightful things in uh, one moment, and then suddenly it cuts to me in a freezing cold field covered in paint declaring, you know, I am the beast or something. (laughs) Are these the roots of the guild? The roots of the guild are, to an extent, founded in obstacle course racing, insofar as when I decided I wanted to do something with my life that was more to do with reclaiming my authenticity as a a human, as a person, uh, as opposed to feeling like I was just becoming this vacuous soul that did nothing but work. 
Um, one of the ways I did that was through obstacle course racing. I, I looked for events and I looked for places to go that made me feel completely different to how I felt in my everyday life. Uh, climb a mountain, go traveling. Then I, I came across Tough Guy, uh, or a, f- a friend of mine came across Tough Guy and went, this looks insane. Have you seen this? And I was like, great, sign me up. So I signed up. Nobody else signed up. So it was just me. Of all my friends, were like, oh, it looks great. I was the only one that signed up. And I did this race, and um, it was genuinely transformative for me in that I hadn't realized how being that close to what felt like death to be absolutely hypothermic mm-hmm. um, to wow. do something that was genuinely miserable. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, it's all about the fun. Go out, have a fun day. Tough guy is not a fun day out. It's a life or death experience um, in that kind of temperature. I didn't realize how how that would make me feel to come out the other side. Um, what was the motivation? Was it a, something that you just wanted to accomplish for yourself? Mm. It, was that the motivation? I mean, if it's a miserable thing oh, that the miserable. body just really mm. resists. Well, you kind of find that out in hindsight. Okay. Yeah, the time Sometimes it feels like a good idea oh, okay. and then you show up and then you're like, oh God, but if you have the personality that just won't back out. Mm. I think there's been some, that's, yeah, that's entirely true. Like the, the what it does for your self-esteem mm-hmm. to know that you, you showed up on the start line you're like, this is, I would do anything right now than be here. Because for some people, that's why they run a marathon, right? right. Mm-hmm. It's it's to overcome a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing pleasurable that's about exactly it. That's exactly what this is. Precisely. Yeah. Well, for a lot people. of like research into happiness has shown that momentary in like in the moment happiness or, or doing something that feels makes you feel pleasure right now mm-hmm. is sort of fleeting and, and and can't you can't hold on to it whereas a lot more of like meaningful happiness comes from revisiting past experiences that you've had so um i'm not sure of the, the terminology but it's like dipping into your episodic memory to revisit times of hardship or things that make you feel proud about yourself that you can revisit that over and over again and get huge self-esteem and happiness from rethinking about difficult things you've done whereas just sitting on your sofa and eating some pizza because right now that feels nice that goes away immediately yeah, yeah. whereas I can sit down any day and talk about tough guy and get this huge sense of self-satisfaction from an event that was years ago okay so you interviewed Ed. Yeah, so we had him as part of uh, the film, and it was very much like an indie documentary effort, so we just like became friends, because it's not so much like a, mm-hmm. a crew and a subject mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so over the course of like multiple trips out to England, and, um, and trips where Ed came out to the States, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we just got to know each other, and, and, and the guild and everything, and, um, and Ed started writing and he like wrote um his first big self-published book um you know and then so it's just like all the things that that just kind of like build into a friendship that was just it just kind of exploded mm-hmm. into existence okay so was, i mean it was very authentically guildly like we we found that we had a lot in common mm-hmm. uh we were struggling the same ways in personal lives or professionally um but also got great joy in the same places and that's what the entire guild was founded on when you meet someone that you resonate with in that way hold them close because yeah, yeah. that's yeah. how you build a family mm-hmm. yeah. and then uh, and then the other one is uh, a few years later a couple years after meeting Ed Kevin comes into the picture and Kevin can give his backstory for that oh yes the summer of 2015 it was magical I remember it well <laughs> Is it a romance story? <laughs> Is this something I haven't heard? <laughs> well, if uh, you haven't heard it before, you can hear it now. Please. <laughs> so way back then, uh, through the company that I still have, uh, that we're making a rum story through, 
uh, I had another show. It was called Rediscover America, and we wanted to shoot a sizzle reel for it out in Winslow, Arizona, the town the Eagles song is about. And I had a good friend who was going to join me on it, and at the last minute couldn't make it because of uh, prior work commitments. So about a day before we were set to drive out in a caravan straight from Los Angeles out to Winslow, I put out a request to any and all friends. Can you find me someone to be the main cinematographer? Um, the pay is not great. It's super last minute, but let me know if something works out. And one of my best friends was repped by an agency uh, over in Santa Monica, and he asked the people that was people that were probably just there in the room, hey, you guys know anybody? And what was the name of the guy? Uh, my friend Sean Barney. There we go. So, Which we didn't know until way later. Right. But, well, apparently this guy gave my friend uh, Keith's contact information and said, just cold call him. <laughs> because what, my lifetime of expertise is in shoots that don't pay very great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, Hey, you want someone to do something for nothing? Nah, Keith Lancaster. He's your man. <laughs> And I definitely had the the underfunding that would appeal to him. So I I cold, I literally cold called him, and I was actually expecting to leave a voicemail and not hear anything back. Because you know it's like, hey, I'm some random guy. I have a hundred bucks. You want to come to the desert with me? And he picked up, and I awkwardly explained what was happening and why I needed somebody. You know, all lacking any context whatsoever, and. He actually was quite nice about it. Like he even told me, "Oh, well, I'm on a shoot and it wraps super late. It's an overnight shoot. I could probably be free around 9 a.m. the following day." I'm like, "Wow, well, we have to leave at 6 a.m. the following day. Oh, wow, that's not going to work out. Darn it. Uh, sorry to bother you. Let me at least offer you a little backstory of who I am. Uh, I I was born in L.A. and I have a lot of family that was in the golden age of the TV business, so it's kind of in my blood. That's why I'm doing this. And I went to a school up in Ventura in Santa Barbara called Brooks Institute, and he more or less cut me off at that point and said, "Oh, I went there too." Oh, what a what a neat coincidence! Yeah, yeah, it was separated by a handful of years, but that's same pretty place. cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd graduated about eight years before he started there, but. We had a lot of the same teachers. and Was it that much? Because we're only four years apart. Yeah, but I went there when I was 19. Yeah. And you went there when you were 26. That's true. So. Okay. That <laughs> is maths. Math. Is there a kind of a fraternity with alumni well, at th- That was actually my approach. I, uh, okay. Since our school is no longer in existence after being up in Santa Barbara and Ventura for 75 years. Wow. It's a sad state of affairs that it's not there anymore. I I've always had a sense of not really appreciating the time I had there. So since graduating, I've made extra effort to keep in touch with people who were Brooks students or Brookies as we call each other from time to time. So after I found out that he had gone to Brooks and had a lot of the same teachers that I had, I figured, Oh, well, you know, we should stay connected. The Facebook friendship began. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And Although honest, it was kind of funny because we had this one conversation. He invited me to be friends on Facebook, and then I don't think we interacted for a year and a half. Yeah. About, about that, there, there was nothing specific going on. You know, we'd see each other's posts occasionally, like or leave mm-hmm. a one-word comment. It just takes that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. He happened. He happened to be in town. I think a year after, and 
uh, I had plans that got canceled that night. I'm like, I'm just going to be hanging out at home. If you want to come by and say hi, we can meet each other. And so he he came over mm-hmm. okay. and you know, just had a couple hours to hang out and chat. And you know, there was a good vibe there. And at that point, I would say there was the potential for friendship, not just like a random connection online. Yeah. And even then, after that, we didn't talk very much. No. Um, this but is the, all fascinating to me because there's so much synergy yeah. with you guys. Oh, it gets real weird. And chemistry <laughs> and all that, and all those magical words that make this project as good as it is. You magical know? Just, so, so just to like scoot it along a little bit here, mm-hmm. um, the fast forward, Ed writes this book called A Rum Run Awry. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and just the nature of Ed and people mm. who, who follow Ed and the people who support Ed. Um, it's not a normal crowd. It's like some pretty eccentric, pretty enthusiastic people. Guildsfolk. Guildsfolk. Indeed. And um, <laughs> and so he, he publishes this book. And on launch day, he has friends. I'm assuming they're either friends or somebody who knows them um, that are posting really strange photos of themselves with the book to help him push the book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a really fun read it is a it is not your run-of-the-mill book um and so i was just interested following like the fact that it's going to come out and then all of a sudden it comes out and here's this like photo of a guy hanging upside down in a tree reading the book um (laughs) with friend noel with some like (laughs) funny little funny little caption below it and then i saw a couple others that were just kind of like semi-creative and i was just like all right so I think I got the first copy of the book in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and um, and so I was like I have to I have to one up this and uh, and I'm like I'm a rock climber and a, and a hiker and stuff and so I live uh, up in Portland so I went out into the gorge where there are some like couple hundred foot high sheer cliff faces and went up to one that was like the most visual I could think of and just sat with my feet over the edge of it um, with this kind of like Indiana Jones hat. And um, and it was just sitting there reading the book on the edge of wow. this cliff with this yeah. epic like valley view. How, how in the tall background. was the cliff? Um, it was pr- uh, not super high, probably like three hundred feet. Not super oh, yeah, high, no, three hundred feet. But like we're talking like sheer, <laughs> like exactly a ninety degree angle. Mm. For the record, Drop. I think three hundred feet is super high. Yeah, maximum um, splatability. Yeah, yeah. like there's a train that. track below that you can't actually see because it's that high. Wow, um, wow. And so, but yeah, and so I posted a photo of that and just wrote epic books should be read read in epic locations um so is this a thing now do i have to go do this with my copy <laughs> unfortunately yeah. yes okay uh, 300 so feet is now I'm the official minimum about, i'm gonna have to think about that because so, so i do a little bit of traveling mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago i was in cabo san lucas a couple months before that I was in maui a couple months mm-hmm. before that I was in rarotonga which is the cook islands mm. if i had had a copy then it would have been great for me to take to these spots. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to have to be a little bit more well, creative. That's so, the deal. Yeah. You yes. can't rely on past deeds. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Just because you've done cool be stuff a... before, now you have to keep You're doing it. You're going to have to plan yeah. a new trip and yep. get a new plane ticket. A book trip. No, yep. that's exactly Just for the book. It. And yeah. now that we've yeah. talked about it, it's going to have to be pretty incredible. It's going to have to be pretty yeah. epic. Yeah. And so, and so the the pressure. weird thing is like is, so none right? of none of the the rum story stuff is is in play at all. And the the funniest thing about it is that Ed writes a book, I take a photo of it, and that is the thing that Kevin sees and leads him to buy a copy of the book blindly, essentially. Oh, very cool. And then Kevin and I officially became friends by bonding over how awesome this book is. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, and it. And it happened that we actually had a lot of uh, simpatico energy, a lot mm-hmm. in common. 
in so, terms of humor but we and didn't find it out until we started talking about the book thus the guild indeed and and then you decide we should do a film on this well see you would think that not quite you would think that okay it has to be it work. has to be a little bit more convoluted than that that's, a, that's, that's how great things come together um, I think we started talking about doing a couple different types of project first. The two well, yeah. Well, the thing between Keith and I was, if we have something that looks viable, let's work together. Let's do something. But we're not going to force it. We're not going to fake it. We're going to want to wait until it presents itself to us. And there was no time frame for that, you know, whenever something might happen. I'd read the book. I loved the book. He loved the book. I think I'd messaged Ed through social media, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Hello, you don't know me. I've read your book. I really like it. I love it when people do that. There's a theme. I'm going to interrupt real quick. There's a theme with all of his cold calling, because that's how I got involved. Mm. It was he approached he approached me in the Tiki Tea, and he said, "Please sit in my office. I have something I'd like to discuss with you." Which was the corner table, Mm -hmm. and it was the same kind of thing. Yeah. And I went there on a whim. I forget why. Sven Kirsten invited me to come down there some event that was happening and I got there early and you were there and mm-hmm. it wasn't happening yet. That's and, so funny. You know, he proposed the whole thing, told me about mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the project before, not the Cocktail Chronicles. What was the name? Secret Lives of Bartenders. Secret Lives of Bartenders. <clears throat> and then yeah. he ended up sending me a clip of a sizzle reel mm-hmm. for that, which I was thoroughly impressed. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Sure, let's do it. Let's just do this so, whole, this project. So that's that's like how it started with us too, because he was telling me about you know the you know what ended up happening with Rediscover America. He told me about the Secret Lives of Bartenders, um, and we started trying to figure out how I could be involved in that. And we had another project that we briefly started talking about, um, and and. Yeah, none of them. Like, I mean, it's not like we went far with any of them and decided no, this wasn't going to happen. But as part of the the Secret Lives of Bartenders thing, he mentioned that he really wanted to do like a companion documentary mm-hmm. type piece about the history of rum, and asked if I would maybe be interested in directing it. Um, and then we started having conversations of what that would look like, and he was saying like, yeah, something hosted would be really great it can't I, just, it just be a run-of-the-mill documentary it has to stand out it has to be unique otherwise there's no reason yep. for us to make it and i just immediately was like the guy that wrote the book like i i know the guy that mm. needs to host this like yeah. ed in london is yeah. is like nobody else could possibly do this <laughs> um but like fair warning it's not gonna be really anything that either of us expect it to be at this mm. point <laughs> you know like the the direction is a, a u-turn um, for the better, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, then I like, yeah, we arranged a, a, a Skype three-way call, so that way the two of them could meet for the first time, like face to face, and have a chat. Um, okay, and then that's when it all started. But it's just like, yeah, like met met Ed. He wrote a book. Met Kevin. He liked the book, yeah. and that's how we became friends by yeah. talking about this book that he had read of a stranger's to him, um, and the chemistry. It sounds like it was right there, right off the bat. Yeah. And if you guys got on a Skype and then, mm-hmm. I mean, here we sit today, right? Oh, yeah. It was like a couple months later we were in L.A. doing the filming. And the, the crazy thing about all of that is, you know, Ed had to come from London. Keith had to come from Portland, Oregon. 
I had been wanting to do a cocktail show for about 10 years in various formats and had been accumulating contacts and knowledge and locations. So luckily, everything that had already been ready to go for other endeavors, I could apply to a rum story. Mm. But, you know, we still didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of time to pre-produce things and get everything ready. It was quite literally, all right, guys, I think I have everything and everyone we need to film. How much time can you give me so we can we can all do this? Yeah. Five days, okay. Let's do it in yeah. five days and make it work. Mm-hmm. I can remember going to LAX around midnight uh, and picking up Ed, and that mm-hmm. was the first time we ever met each other. Yep. And right away, uh, I'm happy to say there was this immediate energy connection. We felt like we had been old friends for a long, long oh, time. Yeah. yeah, I got the same thing from Ed. So when we were filming, we were we had just met, and Ed says to me. Okay, Adrian, at this point, we have already met, so we're supposed to be good buddies, and <laughs> you invited me here, and blah, 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 and I said, okay. So, we had this little scene that we did together at Ron Farrell's house at the Rincon Room, mm-hmm. and then the next day, we filmed at the Tonga Hut, where was supposed to be where I met Ed, but I had already known him, mm-hmm. and so I had to turn that off, and I'm not an actor, so... Eh. You convinced me. <laughs> yeah, you're, well, you're a very convincing liver then. And what's funny is that when I saw Ed before the premiere, I reminded him that that was filmed out of sequence. And he said, oh, I had forgotten about I'd, that. Yeah. I actually was going to correct you as you were talking because I didn't remember it that way either. So, Oh, okay. I'm glad I kept my mouth shut. Oh, that's I okay. also forgot, by the way. Oh, and, I, and I was one who set that schedule. Yeah, yeah. That and was how good we were. There I will tell you yeah. that, or maybe Adrian's actually wrong, and we are all just not confident <laughs> no. with our own memories. <laughs> we all just being convinced otherwise. It, it was it was fun. It was a fun couple days for me. I mean, oh, so you guys fun. filmed the. Uh, obviously, there were scenes that I weren't in, so that wasn't part of those filming days. But there were two days that I got to spend with you guys, mm-hmm. and. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then I hear these stories about people that work on these film projects, and everybody gets really connected, and they get really close, and then mm-hmm. the project ends, and then they all go their separate ways. It's the nature of the beast. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, it's been the most fun film project. Probably the most fun project I've probably ever done, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I haven't I'll done loads and loads of TV um, or films, but I've done a few. Uh, in various different capacities, like all the way from like little extra work to being involved with uh, what stunt direction or fight direction or whatever, or like a little bit of acting. Um, but it's it's so much a professional operation. It's cold. It's clinical. You know, you get in, you get out, you do your job. You know, you exchange a few words here and there between scenes, but very much you're there to do a job. Whereas from the outset, this has been we wrote the thing together. We put all the ideas together. It's pulled. It's pulled very much from things that are incredibly close to our hearts. Um, and we made it as a as a passion piece because we wanted to come together and do it in our own way. And so it's just it was fun from beginning to end, which I think like comes across so so obviously. Oh, I think it does made. too. I mean, what, like a silliness to it. When I saw everybody again, because I haven't seen you guys in like a year and a half, it was like we were reuniting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was hugging each other and, how have you been? How's life up in Portland? How's right. life in the UK? Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was, uh, Kevin was posting the other day the photos of you three mm. after, you know, uh, what, like a week ago prior to the premiere and the whole reunited and all that kind of stuff. And mm. it's awesome. It was it's great. Real. You, could, you can see the chemistry in the photo. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, sorry, man. I, I, I feel like we've all done so many projects in the past that have been 
you know, lacking in, in soul. I was going to say nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, given the opportunity to do something with people you genuinely are, like, friends with and passionate about and want to help them pursue whatever it is they're trying to do, yeah, it just the whole thing carries a whole different energy, and I think we're very attached to that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the think- last little piece of the origin story that I forgot about is that um, before getting connected with Kevin and talking about other projects and then and then him approaching the rum thing. Um, I completely forgot about this, but Ed and I were actually throwing back and forth ideas for something that we could do together at the same time. Okay. Oh my God, we were. Yeah. Um, and we were like developing like little one sheets um, for an idea. Yeah, and then and then we we did all of this work and and we like thought about this thing and we had it written down in a one page with like possible different episodes and everything, and um and then it was like over the course of a week or something like that, and then I decided to like Google what was out there that was like this, and the answer was there were two shows that were exactly what we had just spent our time coming up with. Yeah, Yeah. And so then we were just like, all right, back to the drawing board. <laughs> we were so convinced we were onto something. Yeah, we were like really on. But yeah, so we were like desperately trying to figure out because mm. like he, we, the two of us like struggle creatively and like professionally in a very similar way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so we were trying to figure out like how we could join forces for mm. something. Yeah. Um, Any excuse to work together, right? But that's that's the yeah. whole point. A lot of the time you get hired to a job because someone needs someone to fill a role. Whereas what the three of us were all doing was like, I need to find a way to work with you. Sure. So mm-hmm. I wanted to find a way to work with sure. Keith. Keith was trying to work with Kevin. Kevin was trying to work with Keith. And yeah, yeah. once the third brick came in, which was, oh, me and Kevin want to work together, then boom. It, mm-hmm. it felt, but that's oh, just I, wonderful. I thought I myself was the third brick, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3-, 6-, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit TikiBarTshirtClub.com. So, let's talk about the series now, because what we saw at the premiere is the first segment Hmm. The pilot. The pilot. Yes. <laughs> I have a question about. So, in the pilot, <laughs> there's a scene of Ed stumbling into the Thames. Is yes, that, that's the, the Thames, right? Uh, yeah, the Thames. Yeah. Oh, Thames. Is that how you mm-hmm. say it? Okay. Yeah, I, it I apologize. Strange for that. written language. It's our fault, not yours. I'm just me and my stupid American <laughs> accent. So, in the Thames, mm-hmm. and to swim here to California. Absolutely. It's yes. implied. 
It's implied. I yes. also did it for real, though. Yeah, you know, right. Yes. It took months. Of course. <laughs> Across the wrong ocean, by the yeah, way. Yeah, then I had to go Fortunately. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Through the Panama no, Canal, he went around, around the Baja, Cape. Mexico. <laughs> right. like, yeah. It was a hell of a trip. <laughs> yeah. We really should have documented that, really. Yeah. <laughs> Much more <laughs> we missed it out. I love the twist at the end, because I don't think anyone saw that. It, even someone like myself, who was part mm-hmm. of the project, that knew the story... Seeing him jump in the cold water oh, in Yosemite. Well, Yosemite. Here's the fun thing about that. Uh, late last year, when it was still 2018, and we were messaging about, you know, we have to get this done. Uh, we don't want to lose momentum. We've already done that. We, we've done this by the skin of our teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the light is at the end of the tunnel. Many more metaphors beyond that one. <laughs> and I, I wanted there to be some kind of reward. So I, I literally, on a phone call, as we were planning how to set up the premiere date, I, I mentioned to them, all right, guys, look, if we get everything done and, and we finish and we feel good about it, I'll drive us up to Yosemite. Why not? Yeah. And they flew in and we had a day of mixing uh, post sound and music, which was a lot of fun to do as the people we were working with were awesome and they just understood the energy of the project. Mm-hmm. And the next day, uh, once we saw the final mix out, I'm like, all right, here we go. We drove up and such a horrible snowstorm had hit Yosemite Valley that it was closed. Wow. So we had yeah. to stay a night outside the park. And the next day we go in. I've never seen so much snow in Yosemite, and I've been there many times over many years. And so the thought turned to, well, Ed, um, what do you think about the possibility of maybe considering the thought of uh, <clears throat> jumping into the, the river for... One final comedic effect. The idea yeah. came about uh, about five days before we yeah. premiered a rum story, and, and you know we but told them you don't you don't have to. So fun you, you about the project to. is is you could the whole thing is done on feel. I think I feel. I mean, I, we planned a lot of we had a, elements that were scripted and 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 a, an idea for how the episode was going to go. But so much of it, like all, I think, all the comedy. In it is in the moment. None of it's scripted. There's not a there's not a single written. Joke it's all great. In it, it's all great. And um, so when someone comes up with the idea of oh, you know, okay, we're gonna pre- give it away, but we'll pretend that I'm I'm lost in this snowstorm, and then I need to somehow like there needs to be a movement scene where I try and get away or or, or find my way back out. It was just it was very obvious that oh, I mean, we should recreate the beginning where I, I leap into it. This has got to be my customary way of traveling. It just so happened that the rivers were frozen over because it was 11 degrees out there. Uh, I mean, that was, if it had been a boiling hot day in the Bahamas, yeah, cool, throw you in the river. Like, it's a freezing cold day, still makes sense. It's got to happen. Um, yeah. There was an audible gasp there in was, the audience yeah. when you jumped into that mm-hmm. water. Well, the best bit about it is because I don't <laughs> jump in, because I do this like bumbling, the roll, like, yeah, f- yeah. flopping roll, I start running down the bank towards the river and you can hear people start going like, no, probably not. And then I start flailing around a bit, and there's just a moment where everyone's like, oh, oh no. And then there's like a sploosh, and the whole place goes like, oh! Yeah, the, <laughs> the, um, the, yeah, the funny thing about that, too, is that when trying to film it, we, um, we had to find a place in the river that winds through Yosemite Valley that was moving fast enough that the water wasn't completely frozen over mm. oh, because yeah. other spots that we had access to were just sheets of ice and we wow. get to this one and we're like oh great it's not frozen and then we set up and like in the shot you can clearly tell he steps on the water and then slips on it yeah. so it was still frozen over I think he actually cut his ankle <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, no got, my feet got kind of lacerated because it blood. looked not frozen but it was very much frozen still I'm yeah. going to tell you there was a time in my life when I used to drive up to Big Bear every weekend because I was heavily into snowboarding mm-hmm. and when 
when you're driving around the lake, depending on what time it is in the winter, there are parts of the lake that are frozen. Mm. You can see a sheet of ice mm-hmm. on the water. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at it and I've thought, damn, that looks cold. That yeah. looks super cold. Mm-hmm. And we've had drunken nights where people have said, I'll pay you 20 bucks to jump in there. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, like if anybody's going to do that for 20 bucks, but I would. <laughs> right. I'll do it right now. And did it for free. I did it for glory. Let's not confuse that. <laughs> so when I saw him roll into that water, I thought, holy shit, that he did it. Like, that's something that I said I'd never do. I mean, do. it was obvious, right? It was part of a story. Um, and if, if nothing else, like, we're telling a story with it. And you once, once the great magnet swings in a certain direction, you're a fool to. Sure. So having said that, what is the great magnet? I said it's like a, a Hunter S. Thompson reference. Okay. Uh, all things flow according to the will of the great magnet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much uh, embrace the chaos. You know, once yeah. the world starts pulling you in one direction, you can either yeah. exhaust yourself mm-hmm. holding out or you can go with the great magnet and <laughs> see what the fuck happens. So having said that, it seems now that every episode needs to end with you rolling into a body of water. <sighs> it does, doesn't it? Uh, was At that, some point. Was that, okay, was that something that was... It sounded like this was well, a spontaneous thing. Was, so you, you have distance travel and you have local travel, and it doesn't. Okay, okay. You know, so obviously the right answer is if you need to go from Central America to the Bahamas, you swim. Sure, yeah, sure. of course, makes perfect sense. What else would you do? So let's segue into the <laughs> the proceeding episodes that you guys have envisioned. Uh-huh. Can we talk about that, or is we that can talk a little bit about it? Okay, sure. for sure. Uh, so where do we picture our our hero going next. Mm. Well, I'm sure we all have things to say. Uh, I'll jump in by saying, although it is a documentary about rum, no one, not even I, want to sit through six episodes where we look at six different types of still or six different ways of creating rum or talk that much about the actual process of it. Because the joy of of rum as a liquor is that it's in history. It. <laughs> the true joy is in <laughs> is in drinking it. The secondary joy is in then discussing uh, the rich history of rum. Um, and there are so many stories to be told um, around the the formation of rum uh, and its place in culture. That what we'd like to do is is focus on those stories to so use rum as a vehicle for mm-hmm. telling stories about the human condition and about history. But, I'd pass over to you guys. Very much so. Um, you know, Ed, the fact that you were referencing the late, great Dr. Thompson, mm. uh, he created a style, or at least embodied a style of journalism back in the 1960s and 70s that was a direct inspiration for the way we were telling this story. Uh, it's even in the opening credits. It's it's a docu-series inspired by new journalism, which by nature takes factual reporting and embellishes things with an extra fictional element. Mm-hmm. So you have the educational factor and the information factor, but the entertainment factor at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, the fun thing about this, too, is that it has such a distinct style with that. And every, like, that was the, the number one thing that people said to me yesterday was like, I just haven't seen anything like it. <laughs> oh, that's, and, that's the thing. It has its, it's, such a, its own personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, I think you guys have really stumbled onto something. Yeah. And it's also interesting that none of us really had a specific conversation about that until mm. after we shot it. Because yeah, yeah. we it was just like all of our instincts to do those things. And yeah. like the thing that I like the most about it is that you have this thing where you're like not exactly sure what's real and what's not. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you. New journalism thing. From yeah. my perspective, the style of storytelling and our character of Ed Gamester, it, I don't even think it has to be about Rome. It could be whatever you want it to be. And I think mm-hmm. people will just want to follow him around. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, that's absolutely. What we're hoping for our, our, our bigger plan is what we're hoping is if people can engage with with me and the way in which I go about discovering these things because it's an authentic journey of discovery I'm not a real yeah, expert yeah. so I was learning all those things for real with you you taught me everything I know about tiki culture so, <laughs> so there were no fake you reactions sure that wasn't Sven <laughs> ah, you Sven you look so similar that you know. <laughs> right. yeah when I look when I when I dress up and I look in the mirror I think do I look like Sven right now do I look too much like him <laughs> just maybe like, I should change my shirt slip on the column <laughs> and see what he's wearing yeah, so yeah, yeah. just in yeah. case you confuse people by yeah, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't want people to think that we call each other before a party and said, hey. Oh, yeah. heavens, heavens no. <laughs> We're both going to be wearing tiki shirts. Is that, <laughs> right. um, imagine that happening for a moment. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and so what we're hoping is that people will relate to it in a way and find it, you know, amusing, but also informative and realize, hey, I actually came out of that episode having learned something, but I, I, I didn't feel bored yeah, or like yeah. someone was trying to teach me. And then exactly like you said, we hope that they... Re- that delivery style resonates with them and that they naturally think to themselves, I'd really like to see that guy explaining whatever, the Civil War, or that guy explaining uh, strength culture in in Bronze Age Iceland, or whatever it might be, things that appeal to us. We want to go tell other stories in our own way. There's Um, an enthusiasm to your character too. I mean, of course, there's a little bit of naivete, but Mm -hmm. the enthusiasm about learning... Mm -hmm what it is that you're going after that your your journey well as kevin alluded to um it's the new journalistic style we didn't invent a character for me i'm not playing a character on the screen they simply like dialed me up a little bit okay um and and put me into uh, unnatural situations um, that's why it works the way that it does yeah, is yeah. because it it really is like give Ed a couple cups of coffee <laughs> and what you yeah. see on the screen yeah. is like who you hang out with yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's oh that's, he's very endearing mm-hmm. you know he's like he's the guy that you want to you, you root good for good looking too yeah. and he's good looking yeah <laughs> especially when he picks up that barrel and he <laughs> runs <laughs> runs through the tunnel <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's when you asked how the guild greet each other. That's pretty much it. There you go. You pick up there the nearest thing, and you run straight towards each other, going. And whichever one you gets out of the way first is the loser. And the other one is is the, the, the alpha guildsman. But you Indeed. both said hello. Yeah, that's, that's the, the that's the important politeness thing. first. Uh, Adrian, you you're, you're you're right about that. What, what one of my favorite parts about this project and the way that Keith and Ed and I approached it is it has a definite degree of authenticity. Yes. Mm. We're not that's, trying that's to That's a great word. On. That's a great word. Mm-hmm. Authenticity. It's a perfect description. But it says it there on our poster. Like the, the ninth face of the guild, the stranger, authenticity. Well, it says Uber Alice because I enjoyed that as an expression, but authenticity above everything else because without that, then the rest of it, it falls apart. Like no one... I don't want to watch someone pretend to be interested in rum to make some money. I don't want to see someone who, you know, get paid a bit of money to go and investigate strength sports. That's boring to me. It's uh, it's foundational to the guild insofar as like what we were talking about earlier. Keith met me through obstacle course racing. And what I do in obstacle course racing is myself and a few other guys and girls go out and basically cheerlead and whip people up and try and inspire them when they're feeling a bit down or cold, or like they're not sure if they can finish the race. We'll turn up and just kind of like g them on. And you could pay a group of people to do that. You could be, give people a few hundred quid to go out and like whip people up. And it wouldn't be the same because if you see someone who's been paid to stand there and tell you you're doing a good job, you're like, am I? I don't know. You're paid to do that. Right. Whereas when you see a group of people who are freezing their butts off out there, but right. you right. know the only reason they're there that day is because they want to see you succeed. That changes everything. It, it, that, that 
degree of authenticity is what everything else hangs on. Yeah, and to, to interject on that, because he's not going to talk about it, if you were to Google Ghost Squad tough guy, <laughs> um, he says yeah. he says cheerlead, but imagine six or seven people just wearing shorts in head-to-toe, like, scary, scary body paint, like wow. war paint, um, banging on steel drums, breathing fire. Um, <laughs> it's not cheerleading anymore. Somebody <laughs> running around with a speaker that's blasting heavy metal. Uh. Um, it's It's more like that. It's it's okay. It's nouveau squad, tough guy. I'm no, gonna, nobody look that up. nobody does that just for a paycheck. I'm look that up. Yeah, you're damn right, and they they should struggle if they wanted to <laughs> trying to get paid to do that. So I'm excited about where you guys are going with this project. To the stars. Can, can, can we promote it at all at this point, or is there a website? Uh, there is no website right now. That's going to be coming up in about a month, but. Uh, Right now, there is an Instagram account and there is a Facebook page. Both are called A Rum Story. And we're going to be posting updates about this first pilot episode and other plans and ideas we have. And we very much want to engage with people because that's the whole point of the project. Mm -hmm. Great, great. So let's have all our listeners out there. Please check out A Rum Story. And if you guys have any projects, anything else that you guys want to promote, let's throw all that out there too. I mean, I'm always furthering the cause of the guild. Um, which at the moment is essentially it's it's if you follow me you'll see what we're up to um, there will definitely become a time when enough people are engaging with it that we will have our immediate outlet to show what other people in the guild are doing but that's at the moment just me so if if people follow me and enjoy the guild lifestyle um, and then want to just hashtag me or, or, or comment at me or whatever to share it then what I intend to do is gather up other people's guildly endeavors and then share it with other people because that is essentially what we do we try and inspire other people to get out there and do do more of the stuff that makes them feel alive and nothing inspires people to do that more than seeing other people who are already doing that um in a very non um self-promotional way you know you know we're not going to climb up a mountain because it's cool to climb mountains i want people to go do it because they want to do it so so let's throw out your social media i'm just ed gamester okay e-d-g-a-m-e-s-t-e-r at ed gamester at ed gamester and Keith, um, I'm I'm spending most of my time these days uh, doing a bunch of creative projects with um, with bands, okay. and um, and I do a lot of this stuff like out of pure passion, um, just because because like, you don't get paid, you never get paid, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I get I get paid for the the ones that I get paid for aren't the ones that make me feel proud of myself. Okay. Damn right. And and which like it demotivates me to get paid for anything I because get like it. you know and and so but because you're working from passion. Yeah. Yeah. And so my um, I was making a joke about the, the your, your pay scale. Oh yeah. Because of the projects that mm-hmm. you, you do you, you yeah <laughs> absolutely and so so my um, you always do them for uh, for pennies on the dollar right yep. my my pitch because um, I'm terrible about pitching about myself. Um, is going to be a shout out to the band that I've been spending most of my time working for um, called The Family Crest, who are a seven-piece indie orchestral rock band um, that are freaking amazing. Um, Do they have have a social media that we can have our listeners Yeah, I mean, just look up The Family Crest. Um, I I look them up on YouTube. I've shot all of their music videos pretty much. I'm going in a couple of weeks to San Francisco to do an in-studio live session of like 10 songs with them. Um, I'm going to be gone all of April in Europe for their first ever Europe tour doing photography, behind the scenes stuff, wow. video content. Um, 
and yeah the the singer um is just one of my best friends and uh we collaborate on on stuff for the band all the time awesome um and so that's uh that's where my focus has been outside of the rum story okay very cool very cool how about you kevin i'm going to be hanging out in the san fernando valley all right is uh, it what I think you're? Are you filming what I think you're filming in the San Fernando Valley? You know they don't do that in the Valley anymore. <laughs> it, it's moved farther afield. I had to throw the joke out, but yeah, you're right. I've heard that too. Um, <laughs> it's just a euphemism. Isn't well, it? we, as I mentioned, uh, our little production company, independent outfit that it is, called Knowledge Tree Films, that I've had for about ten years now with some other very close friends that also went to the same school that Keith and I went to. We always have various projects uh, on the boards, so to speak. Feature horror film later this year, some more episodic television series. The thing that is closest to my heart that I would invite people to come check out, though, is, well, the same reason I wanted to uh, go up to Yosemite with Keith and Ned. In the midst of all the craziness that always comes about when you do a project like this, or any project for that matter, and you find yourself working and grinding away week after week, month after month, there always needs to be a bit of a respite into nature, and that's my big thing. You know, I grew up here in Los Angeles. I was born here. Yeah. So escaping up to the mountains or just getting out in the open road is a big deal for me, and that's why I've returned to uh, my roots, so to speak, as a landscape photographer. It's something where I can shut off everything else that's happening and go do my own thing, and I always encourage people to go seek out time in nature as it's so healthy and so helpful and so good for you and I'm happy to share the images that I've taken on my various trips uh, there's a website uh, dark water pilot photography if anyone wants to come check out the stuff and let me know what they think of it I always appreciate comments and questions and suggestions and whatnot. And I enjoy the photos that you post on your social media. Mm-hmm. Well, thank yeah, you so much. They're beautiful. They're mm-hmm. always very... They, they really capture the mood. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. Very nice. He's well, a moment photographer, is Kevin. Yeah. Yes. Captures moments. Kevin. Kevin Marcus. Oh, yes. They, they, Marcus. Marcus. I always get that wrong. Marcus. I'm supposed to have an exhibit yes. called Winter yeah, we, Light. And they thought it would sound fancier and I perhaps Luminaire, could sell my prints for higher prices <laughs> if I did it in French. Yep. I can never remember how to say winter light in French, guys. Can you help me out one more time? I, I already said it. I said it while you were talking. Yep. I, in I, a I, very, like, ominous way. Ominous? No, no, no. It has to be inviting and warm. Luminaire d'hiver. By Kevin Marcoux. By Kevin Marcoux. Oh, well, you know what? Close <laughs> enough. I'll take that. Well, guys, I appreciate you sitting down with the podcast so much. And I appreciate even more that you included me in this project. Thanks Thank for you. being Thank a part you. of it. Quite literally, Adrian, it would not be a rum story if you had not been in it. That's yep. very nice of you to say, but the project it is yours. It would just be a rum. <laughs> it would be a rum. I had <laughs> a such a great a time. I had such a great time. I mean, I, I look forward to seeing where the rest of the project goes. Anxiously, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I want to see it right now. So Us do we. <laughs> yeah. It would be nice to just black out and wake up in a year and be like, whoa, check us out. Did we do this? Kind of like Scott Weiland style, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although he's dead now, so that's cool. That's nice. And all for all our listeners out there, if you have any questions, comments, or you just want to leave a shout out for these guys or any suggestions for future episodes, check out our group page on Facebook, Inside the Desert Oasis Room. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Polynesian Pop. 
Thanks, guys. Beautiful. Thanks. Aloha. Thank you, Adrian. Aloha. 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 Does that mean bye as well? It could be. Hello yeah. and goodbye. Oh. Hello and goodbye. It could be also get off my porch. <laughs> <laughs> you could open the door and yeah. Aloha. Aloha. I'm going to do that. I'm, from this moment on, I'm going to come up with a guild expression that means we need a hello, guild goodbye, and get off my porch. <laughs> we need a guild expression with a hashtag. Oh. Hashtag. And I'll promote the holy hell out of it. Well, okay. I mean, I mean, yeah. Thus the guild. Thus the guild is the is guild. one of the things that's that going is, around. That right is that is our hashtag. Thus the guild for the guild. People seem to also relate to. But yeah, but they don't understand. No, they don't. They don't get okay, it. that's the guild. That's the guild. That's that's, the guild. that's what you tag if you want me to see your shit. You, okay, you do good stuff. Go. Hashtag thus the guild. I'll find it. I'll share it. So that's how we're gonna close the show. Hashtag thus, thus the guild. The guild. Cheers. For the guild. For the guild. For the guild. Cheers, people. <laughs>